Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today's guest is Boyd Holbrook. You know him from Netflix Narcos and on the big screen in Logan, but now he's starring in the Quibi reboot of The Fugitive. But this simply isn't a straight remake of the 1993 Harrison Ford Tommy Lee Jones movie, which itself was based on the 1960s television drama of the same name. The latest take stars Holbrook as an ex-con who goes on the run from the law after an overzealous reporter tweets that he's the prime suspect in the bombing of a Los Angeles metro station. Kiefer Sutherland co-stars as the detective in charge of the investigation. So stick around. I'll have Boyd Holbrook coming up after the break. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's Boyd Holbrook, star of Quibi's The Fugitive. Hello. <laughs> hey, Mark. How you doing? <laughs> good. How are you? Good. I'm good. How are you doing in quarantine? I'm doing pretty good in quarantine. It's been yeah. kind of the full wheelhouse of emotions. It's, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been a really good time for just to pause and take a breath and do all the things that I have not been wanting to do and catch up on and, you know, it just kind of slows you down. It also exposes a lot of things. I think you have to deal with uh, maybe stuff that you're, you know, kind of hiding or distracting yourself with, you know, before uh, COVID and all that. So what did you learn about yourself in quarantine that you didn't know? I'm not very patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not very patient. Yeah, and I, I like to have, you know, things to tinker, tinker on and, and to do. And if I don't have that, then, um, yeah, I find myself very restless. So have you taken but, up any new hobbies? Yeah, um, we are, uh, I am becoming the expert in creek design. Creek um, design. Yeah, creek and landscaping. Uh, I've got a little creek near my house here that I've sort of cut out and carved and chopped down trees and bushes and moved rocks and sort of irrigated the stream to a nice, nice. way when you actually pull up and on a hot day you can get in. Nice. You took a crack at creaking. Crack at creaking? <laughs> <laughs> a crack at creaking. <laughs> so, so the landscape design, is it all rocks and stuff? Are you doing like the flowers and the trees and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. It's, it's basically all bedrock. Um, but yeah, I've just basically been, you know, clearing out the cobwebs and spiders and nice. just cleaning it up, getting some chi going in, you know? <laughs> Do you have salamanders? We have uh, crawdads, which crawdads. What are, uh, are, what are those? I'm from Kentucky. Okay. Call them They're like basically little miniature uh, lobster-looking things, um, and we have like little baby trout and cute stuff like that. So I remember, I, I remember salamanders when I was young. Little red, yeah. little lizardy things. Uh-huh. Orange guys. They're, wow, yeah, you're bringing you're bringing back memories for me. Yeah. And daddy long legs, those spiders everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> do you have, do, yeah. you have, do you have one of those fly paper rolls, you know, like the sticky things? You know what we did? We, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah we're, we're also kind of like, what are you going to do during quarantine? Well, we're going to fix the house. We're going to build this garage. We're going to do all this right. stuff. And pull the windows out of the house. And the next day, like 12 flies going on. So, we had all that goofy tape like down the house, 
Got them in a day, though. <laughs> I didn't know they still made those stuff. I feel like yeah. those were like gone after I was a kid, like that they just weren't safe <laughs> yeah. or something. I mean, they're kind of gross. Kind of like found up, right? It's like you don't want to have that in the house. Right. Because I remember being younger, like looking up and there's a gooey tape with just dead flies hanging on it. Exactly. <laughs> and you brush it. And <laughs> so when they come to you about the fugitive, first of all, it's the fugitive. So that obviously has yep. a legacy and comes with yep. a lot. What did you think when the project was first brought to you? And then also on something called Quibi, did you even know what Quibi was when they mentioned it to you? Yeah. A lot of people were talking about Quibi and it was this kind of hot new company and all this, you know, was going on. They're getting a lot of talk around, you know, the town and on every, everyone I was talking to was kind of bringing it up. And so um, they actually, actually asked me over for a meeting and it gave me a whole breakdown of how they're running the company, what they're doing and their sort of model. And, and it was really fresh and it was, uh, and it was really cool. And I, you know, I kind of like to get in on early on sort of innovative ways, because I think that's always what's pushing filmmaking, you know, whether it's a new camera that's being designed or something that's going to make something a bit more efficient, you know, kind of like Netflix, for example, when I first did Narcos with them, it was just, it was, they were just developing original content and they were just starting. So I like to, you know, kind of get it to try these, you know, in a way be, uh, you know, the test pilot for these, these things. Um, and, you know, it's a great company and they are making this new content for their phones and everything is just meant to be watched on them. So um, after the meeting, uh, I kind of digested what, you know, just, downloaded everything that I'd seen and heard from the company. And it was about a, a month later that um, this project came involved. So before we get to the process, tell me the fugitive. I mean, yeah, that's got some, those are some like big shoes. Those are some things. <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. Big shoes to feel. Yeah. I am I'm well aware. I mean, Harrison Ford and uh, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, I remember watching Tommy Lee Zones and um, Cole Meyer's Daughter. Uh, it was one of the first books I ever saw. You know, this is a like, modern reimagining of, 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 you know, this classic film. It's set in Los Angeles. People are remaking, you know, Marvel to Shakespeare. And I think uh, this is just another sort of reimagining of that set against, you know, sort of, um, you know, in a contemporary way. Was there any talk of keeping the original character names? Because obviously that's... That really sets your part. It's like, nope, you're not, you're new guys, you're new character. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I also, you know, I, I wouldn't have signed on if it, if it was just a straight remake of something. You know, there's a totally different take on this. And I think that's why anyone's going to be doing, it. you know, uh, I think just, just doing a remake for your sake, there's got to be some sort of contemporary uh, modern involvement on it. And what Nick Santora put in this is basically, you know, using how social media and these outlets of shared information are sort of bottlenecking into, uh, you know, all these platforms, basically like the, the tweet now and confirm later sort of culture experience that we're living in. And how once that is set in motion, uh, how pretty much irre irreversible that is to, to happen. 
Uh, and, you know, Mike Farrow, he's, he's a dedicated father. He's a, a husband. Uh, he's, you know, happens to be an ex-con and he's trying to rebuild his life. So there's a lot of things that are sort of new and, and, and fresh in, on this one. The process, do you film for like an eight minute beat, a 10 minute beat, or you're just filming it like you would film a traditional television series? Yeah, I mean, I think the days, the days were, were pretty much similar. I mean, long days is normal. Um, you know, and I prepared for the character as I would as any other project that I've worked on. I, I think where this, where Quibi really kind of has its strength and where this platform is going to be dynamic is between the editing and the actual presentation of um, the cliffhanger aspect and the short 10 minutes of burst. Uh, I think that's where it's, it's going to really kind of uh, rely on and engage the viewers in that way. But yeah, I, I didn't really notice at all and sort of anything different. So let's talk about Kiefer Sutherland. Talk about working with Kiefer. I mean, he's a pro at this kind of stuff. I mean, 24 is just, you know, classic. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, there were so many things that really were making me very curious and um, just kind of wanting to to get in there and, and, and see what's going on with this project because, Keith, again, Kiefer was involved, uh, the dynamic of the platform, Jeffrey Katzenberg, all of his sort of, dynamic in you know innovation that he's doing um Keith Sutherland is probably one of the most focused men I've ever saw, seen and worked around in my life in what way um well he's you know he's on you know he is on the mark he is on uh his focus is drawn into a bead he's just a professional and it's really cool to see that you know i've been doing this you know maybe going on close to 10 years now and he's a little bit deeper in the game and to see somebody who's not jaded by this and still shows up and still puts in 100 percent and you know that's i've i've seen kind of the opposite side of that too and it was just refreshing i won't i won't ask name i won't ask for name no Um, do you have a favorite Kiefer uh, performance from the past that when you met him, it was like, oh, I got to talk to you about this. Yeah, I think Lost Boys was, uh, I mean, Flatliners was amazing as well. But Lost Boys, I think was one of the first movies that I saw that was like kind of scared the <laughs> crap out. He was quite pale in that. <laughs> it looked very believable. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was some classics, yeah. Do you, do you wait a while to tell them you're a, because f- you're going to work with them. So do you yeah, say, I'm exactly. a fan of Lost Boys. I, yeah. You, I mean, you can't, there's in a way, you know, if you, you can't get um, fan shy in front of people uh, because it's, it's going to probably, it's going to awkward your, your, your <laughs> dynamic, your, your hierarchy. You're going to put yourself in, a, in an interesting position if you do that. But you know, so it's just good to speak from the gut too. Did you watch the, the movie? Did you watch the old television series before doing it? I saw the television show. Um, you know, I knew that we wouldn't be trying to go for, um, again, a remake or just to, uh, go with the sort of the, the scale of that. Uh, I think it was it was uh, always quite designed to 
to be, um, you know, an explosive little package that was moving around rather than this, you know, big grandiose scales and sets and like actually jump, you know, so many things that went on in the original, um, that, you know, wasn't necessarily setting out to do in this, uh, was just trying to keep it more confined and more solely on the theme of what a fugitive is in this modern era. Do you think people will miss, I mean, there's the element of like, you know, the phone is small. It's the same thing uh, is, you know, when you're an actor, you're trained in sort of a theater um, mentality, a sort of theater representation. And then you have probably an expectation of cinema being in films. And then now you're in Netflix and it's uh, the computer screen. And here we are on the the phone. Um, I think that this sort of gives you what you need where you are at a particular time. And you have, you know, if you also want to play this in your um, in your media station or your projector, I think it's really adaptable to anything. Um, I think it's just on um, sort of tailor made for on the go activity or when you're in transit. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Holbrook recalls his life changing experience starring in Netflix Narcos. Lancaster, South Carolina is in the middle of not much. But growing up nearby, I knew it as the hometown of a black man named Jim Duncan, who became a Super Bowl hero. Duncan up to the 15, the 20. Now my new podcast, Return Man, I'll discover that his death still makes no sense at all. The story was that my brother went into the police station, took a gun off a police officer, and shot himself in the head. Most people don't believe that. For the past three years at the Rock Hill Herald, I've looked back at a story that's timelier than ever. Breaking news. Don't shoot! Have you got some time to talk? It involves race, the mental state of the person, and a town that was scared to death to say anything. Listen to Return Man on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you took away the date and time, could you imagine that happening today? Yes, you can. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's more of Boyd Holbrook. So let's talk about Netflix, Narcos. I loved you in Narcos. Yeah. <laughs> My husband's from Mexico, so oh, yeah. we watch Narcos, and he literally is like, Mark, you've been there. Like, yeah. Guadalajara, that's where he's from. Wow, cool. Yeah. Why'd you leave? What happened? Um, well, you know... I was on for two seasons in the the original Narcos in Colombia, and I was playing Steve Murphy, Steve Murphy and Javier Pena were the two cops that basically ultimately tracked down Pablo and um, got rid of him, put it politely. (laughs) (laughs) He was a bad guy. So, you know, Steve, in in all reality, uh, Steve was was down there for a legitimate two years, uh, which it took the time. And once the, the his his mission his job was complete, he was he was back on um, a plane uh, with his two little uh, girls that he adopted um, through all the sort of turmoil and and you know devastation that was going on at the time, and went back to uh, to the states. And so that was that was his um, that was his his journey, his arc. Um, I love being in Colombia at the time I was. I think Pedro stayed on for another year, kind of similar to what actually Javier did. And uh, so now they're in Mexico, 
which uh, is a whole another can of worms. Were you, were you ever nervous about being a part of this show? Because, you know, those cartels are still out there. Yeah, no, and you know, there's there are people alive and um, you, you don't have any control over how a person may be offended on the representation of a friend or, or culture or, or anything sort of in that parameter. Um, so, yeah, it was a gamble. Um, uh, I thought it was a fascinating, it was a fascinating, it was stranger than fiction, some of the things that were happening. And just on the sort of macro level of, of what made sort of the, the dynamics of the, of the drug trade now, uh, once Pablo was, um, was killed, then uh, people said, okay, we're not going to start flying it to Miami. We're going to just give it to Mexico and you guys get it across the border, which now spread like sort of spider cells of sort of schizophrenic cartels and all that, which is, you know, compounded things in my opinion. Um, so it's, it's a real, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating puzzle to, um, to sort of stand over. Um, but yeah, it was an incredible experience. I spent like 18 months down there and, uh, yeah, it was life changing experience. So let's talk about vengeance. BJ Novak, first time film director. BJ is my man. Yeah. Um, why? He's so cool. Uh, we did. We met originally about this film, Vengeance, which is um, which is all set in West Texas. Um, BJ's a bit of a ladies' man, sort of a, he's in the podcast world and he's trying to make a name for himself and um, he gets wrangled down, down into Texas uh, and sort of really clash of culture. And um, yeah, he's, he's walking this fine, I mean, he's an incredible writer, walking this fine line of like thriller, Obviously, you know, he can do comedy quite well. So I think he'll pick his, his shots really nicely on that. Um, but yeah, we were in production in, in, uh, in March, like everyone else, and I got shut down, so. What will make you feel secure and comfortable going back to a set? Huh, good question. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen like in the sporting world, uh, UFC are putting on events that seems quite complex. Um, but I guess they're getting some sort of a protocol in involved. I, I, I feel healthy. I, I feel, um, feel strong and, and I feel very fortunate to say that, but some people have compromised immune systems. So what do we do there? Um, um, and then what is the, the issue of, you know, going home at night, you know, you can't really control a person's actions when they, when they go off and why neither should you, but you know, there's, I guess, speculation there. Um, I'm just really happy to get back to work in a, in a sort of safe environment. Um, I think probably crews will consolidate for the near future. I, I would imagine, um, you know, some, you know, the hundred extra days might be consolidated for sure <laughs> um, until, you know, there's a bit of a wrangle uh, on this whole situation. So now just a fun question for you. What's the one TV show you could watch over and over again and you never get bored? Alone. Alone. Why is that? Have you seen it? No. 
Oh, come on, man. It's Tell the me. best, Marcus. Tell me. Like, Why is it the okay. best? All right, 10 contestants mm-hmm. go to the Arctic and they're given 10 items to keep them in survival. Mm-hmm. And they have 60 pounds of gear where they have to sort of video diary themselves. Okay. Okay. And they're in basically uh, near Canada and the Arctic. And it's, they start in fall and then they usually last until the winter. Um, no one's ever made it past 90 days. And then the, the person, the people that you're, I guess, in competition with, they, you have no idea who's winning or what. And if you are the last person, they'll come and get you. Wow. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Would you ever do it yourself? I would. Oh, absolutely. I would last, I mean, maybe a week <laughs> until I saw a bear or, you know, where I've got close to starvation. My organs were shutting down. Probably. You're like, I want to go back to my Creek with my salamanders. <laughs> this seems, seems a little harsh out here. <laughs> well, boy, thank you very much. Thanks brother. See you soon. Bye. Take care. That was Boyd Holbrook. The Fugitive premieres on Quibi on August 3rd. Thanks for listening to this week's The Big Ticket. Coming up next time, one of Hollywood's most in-demand young talents, Jordan Fisher. The actor, singer, and dancer will be here to talk about his new film, Work It, his experience being a multi-ethnic performer in Hollywood, and so much more. Until then, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Mark Malkin. And for all your up-to-the-minute Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe, be well, and please wear a mask. See you next time.